0: So, the, the non-grasping of the sankharas is a theme that I seem to be dwelling on. And non-grasping does not mean there are no sankharas. They're still there. Emotions are still there. And bodily pleasure and bodily pain are there. and Memories. So, it's not a denial of the stream of consciousness, but rather it's kind of staying aloof from that. Uh, having, being a witness. So in that samadhi section, in our chanting that we're doing every morning and evening, secluded from sensual pleasures and secluded from uh, unwholesome states of mind, you know, I, I sometimes use the word aloof or non-grasping, and you can see that to get any kind of stillness of mind, the mind has to somehow not engage with the thoughts and emotions and yet not deny them as well. So I use language like non-resistance, non-indulgence, and welcoming. And for me, that is the ideas around uh, initial and subsequent application of thought, that, that we, we, uh, we can use thought in a very skillful way, or we can just be caught up in the uh, narratives of our thinking. And the skillful use of thought comes from your own insights, your own understanding of what your character is, how you make effort in your meditation, how you make wrong effort, right effort. And then from those insights, what I find is some kind of a a language emerges, a kind of personal language of, shall we say, kind of self-coaching or or, or remembering those very insights. So just for me, non-resistance, when I put that word into the first part of a meditation, non-resistance, that brings me to a, uh, a kind of awareness which isn't pushing away pain in the body repressing, thought. so it's more neutral or aloof from or secluded from the things that are going on and then say non non-becoming i use that non-becoming and then, then that shows me if i'm kind of striving to try to achieve something or get something so that language for me is personal but but if I mean, you realize that if you if you notice something about your practice you want to sort of remember that wisdom and and that language can help you then now this isn't trying to manufacture some insight that you had before that would still be craving, but rather it's just the very the attitudes that you see are skillful and how you can sort of you, you can remember them make them stronger. There's one formulation of the uh formidable truths which that many of us find quite interesting and useful, and uh, that's Ajahn Dung, I think was his name. Uh, his name, Pali name was Attilo, and he gave Atalo his name from Ajahn, Ajahn He had a nice twist on the Four Noble Truths, so so classically, you have Four Noble Truths. The First Noble Truth is that there is suffering. Second Noble Truth is the cause of suffering, attachment to desire, Dunha. And the third noble truth there is the cessation of suffering. And the fourth is there's a path leading to the cessation of suffering. So you have suffering, its cause, its end, and the path. One, two, three, four. He sort of um, switches it around, and he says, the mind going outside is the cause. The result of the mind going outside is suffering. So he takes two and one and reverses them. The mind going outside is the cause, and the result of the mind going outside is suffering. The mind knowing the mind is the path, and the result of the mind knowing the mind is the end of suffering, which is a a very, very kind of direct way of looking at attachment to sankaras. So, for instance, uh, this morning, I was a a, a bit late, and I'm, I'm kind of conditioned to be Fairly punctual. Uh, maybe old age is making me a bit less punctual, but my conditioning was that my family said, "If you go, if you come late, that means you think your time is more important than other people's time." And I guess that got, got imbued into me. So I try to be punctual. So then I, I was cleaning my cups or whatever. and Then it's whoops, five two. And then seeing, oh, I'm a bit late, conditioned a response of hurrying. No big deal. But hurrying is a, is, is, a, is a sankara, and then the way I got wrapped up in that sankara was to start to rush to get here, and no big deal. But as soon as I noticed that, and that's a habit of mine, to rush to get here, I could still move quickly, but I could let go of the craving to get here. I, I just, so I just woke up to that, oh, this is rushing, rushing feels this way. And then I moved vigorously and got here when I got here, but there was no grasping of the sankhara. So, the mind going outside is the cause, the result of the mind going outside is suffering. So, um, I notice the clock, and that triggers off the sankhara of, i might have got to get there. Again, no big deal, but that mind going out into the sankhara of, I've got to get there, I've got to get there, uh, is suffering, because a sense of me going somewhere. And then, as I'm putting my coat on, I say, wait, wait, what are you doing? And then the mind, knowing the mind, oh, this is attachment to getting somewhere, is the path. And the result of the mind knowing, the mind, oh, it's peaceful again. Not a problem. I still can walk vigorously. no problem, but there isn't that. And that's a, that's a, a wee, minor insignificant example of, of I think practice and and I think those little things if one just keeps doing those little things throughout the day throughout one's life then that attitude of awakened knowing becomes very very strong and that is the path and that is the end of suffering so we we all you know, we look at our own um, experience through this retreat and say where where does the attention get enmeshed in? Uh, sankharas. Not, and that's not to dismiss things. Take something, the difference between anger and hatred. Anger arises or annoyance arises. Nothing wrong with that. It's conditioned to sankhara. But then the engagement with that, either feeling guilty about being annoyed or angry, or, um, believing in it and dwelling in, in states of hatred, both of those are the mind going outside is the cause, the result of my voice suffering. But when I awaken, and and there's that witnessing knowing that, oh, annoyance has arisen, and there's a kind of aloofness from that, not not a denial or non-attachment, abiding secluded from that, then the annoyance has its uh, life, as it were, comes into consciousness according to cause and conditions, and affects the body, and tries to create a narrative, but now... We are uh, aloof from that, or not engaged in that, so the narrative doesn't have a chance to, to um, take hold, take hold in the mind. And then the annoyance goes through consciousness, and all the time one has stayed in a state of, of present moment awareness of the way things are. And these kind of uh, inner events are just happening all the time, all the time, and so the practice is a sort of 24-7 awakening. To whatever program one is one is involved in, so for me, non-resistance is a good line. Where if I if annoyance comes up into consciousness, it's non-resistance to that. Like, it's not wrong to feel that, um, and then non-indulgence is a non-proliferation. You can see how just a couple of words could bring you back, or or just this 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 way that Lempo uh, Dune. Uh, would phrase it, that the mind going outside, you see how the other mind like like in thought, or going outside to sense experience, looking for something, is the cause, and then you awaken to that. Huh. Look at that. And then the mind knowing the mind, it's this way to the end of suffering. And so a lovely, lovely formulation. Ajahn Sumedho talked a lot about that a few, uh, for the last few years. So someone carved him a a rather large sign with that in tie which hangs in his kuddhi. <clears throat> and quite often the teaching is really not that complicated. It has that simple directness, and if we can remember that simple directness, it helps us to go beyond the proliferations of doubt and, uh, and thought. So to go beyond like something like doubt, just to know doubt as there is to stay aloof from doubt it does not mean you don't have doubt. You just know it as just just another sankara, nididukanata, rises and ceases, and then you become you become an adept with doubt. You become skilled with doubt, rather than thinking you have to kind of be someone who never has any doubt. The whole range of experiences that we have mentally, uh, emotionally, physically, uh, they all handled by this very simple a uh, very simple formula, and it's kind of very direct, very direct teaching. Just a suggestion that uh, if if you don't have any uh, work in the morning, if you want to set up your own schedule of morning meditation, do a, like 45 minutes sitting, 45 minutes walking, 45 minutes sitting, something like that, use the Shrine Room. Um, sometimes those structures are, are really helpful, so consider that if you can get like chunks of time where you do formal practice where you're quite, your intention is quite clear, okay, now we'll do this formal practice, then these ideas have a chance to take hold because you're, you're, and that's all you're doing. Also, I suggest you uh, uh, stay fit, try to go for uh, a good walk or do some yoga, because if, if you find your, your meditation is making you drowsy, then maybe <coughs> a bit more vitality, that's very, very helpful. Okay, something to ponder and think about.